Hey guys, Adam here. Normally, you would be hearing an episode of my awesome podcast, Chance of Gaming, with my two other co-hosts. But since this Kickstarter ends in about a week, I really wanted to push it out there fast to give you a chance to take a look at it and decide if you wanted to buy in, because I'm a huge fan of the core. And as always, please go to alterdementia.com and you'll see a link for that in the show notes at chanceofgaming.com for all your 3D printing needs. And be sure and use the code COG2019 to get 20% off of your purchase. Now here's me and Josh talking about the core. All right, joining me on this solo show, this interview thing that I'm doing, is Joshua Qualtieri from zombiesmith.com. And the main reason why I wanted him on here is because he is the creator of this fascinating little thing, world, universe, whatever you call it, that I discovered, it seems like about a decade ago, called The Core. And he's got a Kickstarter, and we're going to talk about it. Welcome to the show. Why, thank you, sir. How you doing? Just fine. Good. So, so tell people what are The Core. Uh, the long story, the short story. The short story is they are anthrop- anthropomorphic anteaters with World War One level technology. So it, it's sort of a sci-fi setting in that it's on an alien planet, but they have 1920s and 30s era technology and they're anteaters. I mean, yeah, see, that sold me right there, utterly, completely, utterly, and absolutely. Why don't people do more of that, where they just take an animal and they're like, no, 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 okay, we're going to make these uh, World War II Germans, you know, these yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. It worked great. Yeah, I, they are, um, I mean, I've been drawing them since I was about eight years old, and I am 45, 45 now, uh, so I, you know, I've been kind of developing them for, for quite a while. Um, and like you said, you saw them probably a decade ago, and I think I released the first miniatures maybe be um, maybe like 12 years ago now, um, in 28 millimeter at first. Yeah, when I first uh, encountered it, it was this core's war, and it was the royalists versus the the crusaders. Correct. And I think at the time I interviewed you, you were just starting to put out some partisan figures. Uh, that could be true. I, I tried to listen to that old interview. You put it on Facebook the other day, and I, I can't listen to myself talk. It's, it's me. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Me neither. It's terrible. I'm well, you're like, in the wrong business. I know, you're right? So uh, now you've got this Kickstarter, and this is for – I know you had had 15-millimeter core before, and now this is a Kickstarter for – Basically, the second edition of this Core's War, but in 15 millimeter, right? Correct. So when, um, when yeah, when I started the Core, we started them in 28 millimeter. Uh, we're gonna do a skirmish game. Ended up being more of a, a mass battle game, and um, I am not the world's best um, analog sculptor, I'll call it. Um, and so we hired Aaron Brown, who's amazing. And he did all the 28 millimeter core. I did a lot of the guns and the tanks, um, although we call them tractors and that sort of thing. Um, and we got a lot of people that really wanted 15 and six millimeter core, and I was like, why not? So I actually sculpted the 15 millimeter core by hand, starting probably seven or eight years ago, and they were okay. I mean, they were kind of cute. I mean, they're small at 15 millimeter. They, they served the purpose. 
Um, but I sort of fell in love with the choir at that scale. Um, the the twenty eights had a lot of personality. The fifteens didn't have a lot of personality, but there was, I don't know, there was something about it. You know, this world has been in my head forever, and it was it was the fifteens were a way for me to do the world on sort of a more epic scale. And then as three D printing technology and um, mold making resins and all that have sort of caught up to my skill set because my day job since the mid nineties has been as a 3d modeler or sculptor as that sort of all caught up and I bought some high end printers and got resins. I could, um, mold and then cast in pewter. Um, I started doing a lot of digital sculpting. And so a lot of the stuff we do now is, is actually by me in digital in, in 28 millimeter. But, um, the, the 15s have always sort of bothered me, um, and so I wanted to revisit them and add a lot of, you know, the character and the sort of whimsy that the choir have that I couldn't add 15 millimeter by hand, but I could definitely do digitally because that's that's my skill set. Okay. And, and, and in that long winded answer, I might have lost track of your question, but that's my answer. OK, it's great. Uh, OK, with these, it will be one to one scale, right? Because I'm, I'm looking at the Kickstarter and you know anything we talk about here, I will I'll have a sh- in the show notes for at uh, chanceofgaming.com. So, looking at the Kickstarter, each of the 15 millimeter figs are single based. Correct. So it will be like one to one scale, sort of. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So one figure is one car, one tractor is one tractor. Um, yeah. You use the the figures are used to mark casualties for the units. They they sort of keep keep stats. The the figures are removed as, as sort of a wound marker. Um, but it is one-to-one. Okay. And uh, I've seen a lot of discussion um, both in the core Facebook group and um, the on the Kickstarter comments about the scale of the, uh, I'm sorry, the size of the table that you would play on. Yes. So um, I'm a big fan of skirmish games because that's all I have time to play and or paint. Um, and so even though this is more of a mass battle game where you might have 50 or 60 figures per side and six or eight vehicles. Um, we're really designing it to feel like a skirmish game. So it's playable once you know the rules. So it's playable like in an hour on a smaller field of battle. Um, uh, that, that's the sort of stuff we enjoy. Like a lot of our other games um, since the first edition of this cards war have been more skirmish scale two by two, two by four, three by three sorts of boards. Yeah, I completely agree with wanting small scale, preferably sci-fi. Uh, I want my I want my small scale sci-fi to be one to one and skirmish or large scale skirmish. If it's fantasy, I would rather do like rank and file, you know that that kind of thing. But uh, yeah. So, I as to prepare for this uh, interview, I have four of my core books sitting in front of me. So the, <laughs> so the the very first one was this core's war. And, yep. uh, and what the Kickstarter for is the second edition of this. Yeah, and um, so it is actually a completely new rule set from the ground up. Um, but we, we sort of, you know, if, if you look at those four books, you've got This Car's War, Song of Ancestors, of Spats and Pedrails, and Tales of the Breach. Right. That's my guess. Maybe Rifler's Pocketbook, which is the fifth, which if you don't have, I'm really disappointed. But um, we, we kind of wanted to, now that we're relaunching the Quar. Um, we really wanted to brand it and this car's war a lot of people TQW a lot of people call it sort of what we're known for um, so 
I wanted to keep the same title, just make it a second edition, even though it's a complete rewrite of the of the rules. So it's not it's not for those that have this cars war. It's not just a tweak of that system. It is it is from the ground up new. You age of Sigmar did. Essentially, yes. And that's that's okay. That's perfectly fine. That's the thing to do now, right? right. That's what that is what all the cool kids are doing. And I just desperately, desperately want to be a cool kid. So that was. And has the t- have you advanced the timeline? Because I know, like in my Discord War book, it's basically just uh, the two factions, and I cannot remember if the uh, the partisans were in here or not. Uh, the partisans come in in Songs of Our Ancestors, or or maybe it was Spats and Pedrels. Uh, Spats and Pedrels is when the partisans come in. Uh, so yes, the thing we have done. So because I've had this world a while, I actually know the history of it which is very nerdy of me, um, and all the nations and, and all that stuff. So every every time we've published a book, whether it was a year after the last or five, um, we've matched up that timeline. So the current year for the Quar is 1781. Um, and uh, so all of the um, fluff in history in those four books you have is history. It is, it is not the current. It is um, not the contemporary timeline. Okay. Still all valid, right? It's it's basically looking back, you know, ten years ago at this point. And so we've advanced the timeline quite a bit. I don't want to give everything away, but we've we've got some sort of major changes to the world for those who've been following it for a little while that are hinted at a little bit on the Kickstarter page, but will be of course revealed fully in the two upcoming books. Okay. So after this Corps War, if I I, re- I feel like it was uh Songs of Our Ancestors. Correct. That's yeah, so Discord's War ended up being more of a mass battle game, and that's always hard to convince. You know, miniatures gaming is a niche. Um, uh, the Zombie Smith is a niche, and then playing with World War One and Eaters is a niche itself. And so initially, it was hard to get people to, to sort of buy into a mass battle game when they had no idea what the hell it is. Um, so we did Songs of Ancestors, which we actually licensed just the rule set from Ganesha Games because it was super popular. Um, and built a skirmish system that uses all the same models. Um, and that rule and system would be, it was a song of... Song of Blades and Heroes. Yes. And, and actually it was really Flying Lead, which was the one we used, which is where he made it more of a, a gun game. So Songs of Our Ancestors is um, his rule set. Still all, all of our fluff and art. He let us write it and add a bunch of special rules and abilities that were sort of appropriate to, to our world. He's also a big fan of the choir. And that's, I mean, just as a note for people that are discovering me through here, all of our rule books on the Zombie Smith site for all of our systems in PDF form are free, um, except for Songs of Our Ancestors because we license that and we owe we owe him a, a cut of every sale. But every other rule book for you know, if you guys just want to check out the art, the setting, the world, those PDFs are free and they always will be. And they're on ZombieSmith.com. They are on ZombieSmith.com. That is correct. Okay. Now, and not not just not just for the car, but for all of our systems, the the PDFs are free. Okay. Now, um, I will say, Joshua, I thought about you about a year or so ago. I I'm flattered. I hadn't thought about the core in forever, and I'm walking through GameStop, and I look over to the right, and my eyes just about popped out of my <laughs> head. Yep. I I could not believe it that <laughs> you have a video game based on this. Yep. Tell yep. me how that happened. So, as I mentioned earlier, my day job 
has been in the film and game industry for my you know my entire adult life and i left uh in like 2013 i left my cushy day job and started a video game company still studios um and we started out we were going to do mobile games and the whole vr thing hit and so we had um a little bit of investment money to uh to do some vr stuff and i had been playing around with making a car mobile game kind of on my own and with a group of a couple of former students of mine and so we already had some assets, so we did like a little demo in VR using the Quar models, and it went over so well that somebody gave us um, a little bit of money to do a small game for for the Vive when the when the Vive launched. Um, and so we did that. So it's it's VR only uh, right now, um, the Vive, Oculus, and uh, the PlayStation. Uh, I'm I'm not at the game company anymore. They're they're still up and running, but um, yeah. So that that's how that came about as a little sort of experience. Um, for VR. So, uh, is there like a story in the game? 100%. So the story actually follows the story of This Quar's War. So, you know, in This Quar's War, the sort of the running narrative is between um, two Quar, um, a young boy back home and a soldier out in the field, and um, le- their letters back and forth. And that's the that's the story that the uh, that the game actually follows. Okay. Yeah, I bought it because uh, my kids have the PlayStation VR. And I'm, I yeah, I'm not very good with the the thing on my head and you know all this stuff. I started it up and it looks really cool, but um, then I got motion sick and haven't tried it again. So that's yeah, just, so that's so um, I know you edit these. Maybe we edit this out later. Uh, I don't want to badmouth anybody because the game is actually really good. So we did the PC version. Um, a different company did the port to PlayStation, and. Um, so we weren't involved in that. So it, it should be the same game, but um, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know how it performs. I actually haven't played it on PlayStation. Um, so for those out there, if you have access to it, like on Vive or Oculus, that's the direction I would go before I tried it on PlayStation. But it, it should be good on PlayStation. It got approved by Sony, but yeah. That is true. But yeah, I mean, not very many small, independent, you know, game, miniature game companies can say... Well, I have a video game on the shelf right there amongst all those Games Workshop games, you know. It, that is correct. It's me, of all people. It's, yeah, it's not Primitive Press. It's not weird, you know, any of those. Yeah, it's me. So that's cool. I mean, yeah, it just blew my mind. Cool, yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad you came across it. And thank you for buying your copy. <laughs> so after uh, Songs of Our Ancestors, is it Tales of the Breach or is it of Spats and Pedrils? I'm going to go with it was of spats and pedrails. I think no. so. And this... Uh, yeah, I if, don't if, remember the order. If I remember correctly, uh, this is the one that added vehicles to the, both, to the games. And it, <clears throat> I remember, because I bought them from you at that time, you, uh, you made vehicles, but you weren't mass producing them. It was more oh, of man. A, it was more of a, well, if you're in on the know, message me, and if I happen to have some time or have one done, you know, <laughs> I'll sell it to you. It definitely wasn't like a mass-produced thing, so... Yeah, I, so I, I've I've been casting stuff in Pewter since, like, the year 2000, and I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Like, I can get some strange stuff done and, and fairly consistently with very little mold lines. But, man, I resin just sucks my soul. Um, so yes, um, that's definitely how I do resin models or did resin models in the, in the, in the past. Um, but yeah, um, Spats and Pedrails is actually an expansion book for 
both This Choir's War and Songs of Ancestors. So it adds faction, new factions and units to both of those. Um, this Choir's War already had <clears throat> some vehicles, but uh, Spats added um, vehicle creation rules so that people can go out and make up their own with whatever they found off the shelf. And then added a vehicle system to Songs of Our Ancestors because we weren't real, didn't really like the Ganesha Games vehicle system in, in Flying Lead. I, I thought it lacked a little bit of character, which I totally get. They were doing a fast play thing. So we, we built our own vehicle system from the ground up for that. All right. And so uh, the last one was Tales of the Breach. Yep. So we were, we were deep into finishing up our war, our first War of Ashes book, which is a, like a Muppet Viking thing. And we were way behind. So we got a good friend of ours, Steve Bellin, to uh, do a scenario book. So Tales of the Breach is, uh, it's not in front of me, it's 25 or 35 scenarios for, for both This Quar's War and Songs of Our Ancestors. And then a bunch of, you know, fluff and art and, and that sort of thing. So that was, um, we needed a new book that year. And that was, that was our um, idea was to get somebody external to us that was really in love with the core to come in and, and do that. That's really cool. And uh, I'm actually excited to uh, be able to work it into the, the new game, the new 15 millimeter game. I, yeah. think, it, I think it'll work great. Uh, speaking of um, the Kickstarter, I, you know, I follow you, you know, Facebook and whatnot. So I knew it was coming and I had prepared myself and all this stuff. I got a phone call from a friend of mine that uh, mainly games historical stuff with me. And he was like, hey, man, have you seen this new Kickstarter you know, that just came out called The Core? And I was like, uh, yeah, buddy, let me tell you. <laughs> and come to find out, there are a group of... He's part of a group in Louisiana. And one of the guys there that I had played Infinity with... Uh, has a bunch of core and new you and, and Benson? I, I think so yeah. it, it's been it's been a few years since i gained with him and he talked about i think he bought some molds or something from you and i was just like wow that's cool so anyway all of those dudes were, were buying in and they were actually talking about doing your biggest pledge which was uh you know design a faction they were they were yeah. talking about doing that i don't know if they did i have yet i i need to get in touch with them and see in fact, anybody, yeah. anybody who's listening who has who has bought the uh, design of faction thing, I'll toss you like twenty bucks or whatever if we can just make one character be Captain Chance. <laughs> That's all. Just give him glasses, whatever, and yes, that that would be that'd be it for me. I toss you twenty bucks. There we go. Yeah, all of all of those pledges are gone. I'm not I I'm not actually sure who took them yet. Um, yeah. I haven't dug in. Uh, I know I'll find out right afterwards. Five total backers on that, and see on on our show we we talk all the time. Whenever we look at a Kickstarter, we uh, Richard immediately like scrolls down to see what is the biggest reward because a lot of times they're insane. You know, they're yes. like for five thousand dollars. You know, we'll we'll fly you in. You know, you'll get a back massage from the game designer while he tells you you know how great you are. You know, whatever. Right. And so just really neat. And, and those always sell. That's I'm like, who buys those? I know. I, I I would I've said uh, if I win the lottery that's what I would do yeah. on every Kickstarter I, that I find interesting it'd be the top one every time the more Good ridiculous plan. the better. Good plan. Now we talk all the time about like Kickstarter like what people want you know versus what they get 
and I find it fascinating. You just wanted a measly ninety nine dollars. <laughs> yes. What I mean, what if like as of we record this podcast, there's ten days left to go. By the time you guys are hearing it, it's probably about a week to to go, and you're up to twelve grand six hundred seventy seven dollars. If you had only got a hundred dollars, like what would you have done with just a hundred bucks? I'm just curious. Well, I, it'd have been really easy to fulfill, right? And we've only had a hundred dollars worth of product. Um, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Like, okay, here you go, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, really, what that was about is, um, I think, I mean, I explain it in the in the campaign, not probably not real well. Is so I do all of, at this point, all of the sculpting, all of the mold making, and all of the casting. So I don't really have startup costs for anything because I'm I'm just doing it. Um, but what we do is we most of the time get our books print on demand. Um, so we buy them, you know, a couple here, a couple there, 50 if we're going to a show. And so the price sucks. Um, and so, well, it's not as good as it could be. And so for this game, we wanted to make, you know, custom cards and, um, get the books sort of in mass. So, I didn't really need a bunch of money. I basically just need people to pledge, and then I can do a much bigger order. You know, I can order three or four hundred books, and you know, three or four. So they last me a little while, and three or four hundred sets of cards and all that. So, <clears throat> yeah. So it's not like I needed twenty grand um, to do this campaign. Because, because the other thing I'll say is, most of it's done. Like I sculpted like three hundred poses, with two dozen vehicles, so. We're going to be shipping it this summer, right? I don't need a year. We're not getting it cast, you know, or molded up in plastic or anything like that. It's just finishing up the book and the art, um, which is going to be my full-time job for the next couple months. Um, so yeah, so I didn't, I didn't need twenty thousand. I, I just needed a, a group to pool their money so we could get a better price on books. Okay, I got you. And uh, yeah, I, look, all the time we look at Kickstarters and we're like, what do they want sixty thousand dollars for? You know. <laughs> Yeah, and then we also get amazed at ones that that come in and they want sixty thousand, and it ends up being like one point five million is what they get. Yes. Like ah, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, mm -hmm. this seems to be like, and this is I, you know, this is what I think like Kickstarter should be for. It should be for a smaller company to to get them what they need to do this kind of stuff, you know. And cause yeah, I mean, I, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was you know all the time on the show I talk about like it's just become a glorified pre order system for a lot of companies. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I. I mean, so we have kind of a, a bigger plan with this, but also for me, um, I have a really good day job. So I, I do all this stuff in you know the nooks and crannies of my life at, at, at night and on the weekends. And so I don't want a $60,000 Kickstarter. Like, I could fulfill it. I could absolutely fulfill it, you know, if this, you know whatever this thing does. But, but if I was cranking out, you know, if I did a million and a half, like you were talking about earlier, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I would quit my day job and all that. But um, well, I mean, that was, that was, yeah. Well, at that point, I would hope you would hire help. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I would have to if, to fulfill a million and a half. A million and a half, I would for sure have to. to look, hire help. look. I know it's tempting to keep all that one point five million for yourself, but it would probably do better for your sanity <laughs> to hire people. You know. Probably so. <laughs> probably so. So let's look, looking at the Kickstarter. Um, you can. They always start with pledge a dollar or more, and a lot of people do that just so they can get to the uh, the thing at the they get in on the thing and they can adjust their pledges as needed, you know. Yep. 
And yep. uh, so the first thing was seventy six bucks for a starter set. Yes. Now, now you get one faction and you get a starter, which includes the minis listed plus the PDFs of the two books, and of course shipping will be extra. Now, how many miniatures do you get with that? Uh, so it's uh, for most of them. They're some. They run the range, but it's fifty or sixty. Um, 15 millimeter figures and two to four vehicles. Okay. And also the so the cards for all of the vehicles because um, we're switching to like a unit card system that has like all your stats and all that. And then of course uh, PDFs of the rules. Okay. Now you don't get a physical copy of the book at that pledge level, right? <clears throat> Correct. Okay. Now you can the next one you can actually up that and go to an army for yes. uh, 151. So is it is it good to say like you would get double the amount of like miniatures and? Yeah, it's a, it's about one and a half times the miniatures. Okay. Um, and then it's two physical books because the the other thing here is <clears throat> so we're not just doing this Quars War second edition. We're also doing what we call a theater book, which is this Quars War Western Iron, which is six of the factions. Um, because what we're going to do, I don't really want to compare it to a, a Warhammer Codex, but in a, in a way it is. So we're going to layer on, um, you know, we've got like 20 coordinations on the continent that we concentrate on. And so our plan is to do a Kickstarter as we fulfill each one for like the next set of four to six um, nations and we'll do like another theater book so you don't have to keep buying the rules each time you just get the theater book you want or all the theater books hopefully um for your for your factions um and so yeah so that army actually comes with two books um and right now we're guessing that the theater book is probably 160 ish pages full color and the rule book is probably a, around 100 pages full color um both paperback so yeah. Both paperback. Okay. Yeah, the so we did um, on a couple of our other systems. We did hardback books, and they and they sell okay, but it just kills shipping, especially overseas. So we're kind of avoiding the hardcover book thing for now. Yeah, I have Shield Wall and Shield Bash uh, yeah. in paperback. Uh, <clears throat> I do have one of those in hard. Uh, one of your other rule sets in hardback. I can't remember. Non-core uh, related, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What are I mean? Just kind of give us a little rough overview of the different factions and like I, specifically more like how they would be on the table. It, yep. you know. So yeah. So in the in this Kickstarter, this first one, we've got six factions: the Crusaders, the Copterians, Eastkey, Fidwog, Creven, and Western Arnyara. And um, there's a whole sort of history and and background to each of those, but. Um, this whole thing started with the Crusaders. So the Crusaders are sort of a um, a modernized system of warfare in, in the Quar world. Um, industrialization, um, uniformity, and that sort of thing. And so they're, they're sort of this thing that has started the current phase of the war. And they are, they've got really great equipment and maybe not the best trained troop. So they're taking conscripts from all across the... The, the continent, so they've got good, reliable stuff, uh, mostly short-ranged, um, high volume of fire weapons, because that's better for the untrained uh, soldier. Um, and then the Kofchirans are, are royalists, and so they are the 
one of the countries that is diamond, you know, uh, completely opposed to the crusade. Uh, so they're like a more stately military sort of early World War One French, and they're bright uniforms, bolt action rifles, um, trying to trying to fight the war in a gentlemanly manner, and the crusaders just aren't going along with it. Um, uh, so they're mostly long range weapons, uh, longer range. Um, their uh, their vehicles, tractors, aren't as sophisticated as the Crusader ones, uh, but they pack a punch. Um, maybe maybe a little bit like glass cannons. Eastkey <clears throat> um, is uh, allied with the Crusader states, and they're the most modern of the militaries currently. Um, so they're very mechanized. Their their tractors are faster uh, than most of the rest. They carry a lot of submachine guns, and so they're all about. Um, smashing the enemy lines with their transports and then pouring out of it with a high volume of firepower. There are the Western Arnyarns, which are sort of the uh, gypsies of the of the Quar world, and they've got a lot of they got a lot of good background and fluff that'll kind of come out in the book. But basically, what they are is they're the Vikings in a way. So their ancestral home is sort of divided up generations ago, and they've become like vagabonds traveling around the Quar world in their giant. Um, house tractors that they all live in their iron houses and they've been working the past few years to essentially run an offensive to retake their ancestral land sort of using the cover of the crusade and that turmoil to um, to uh, mount a giant offensive and so uh, we pick back up here as we we're talking earlier we've advanced the timeline 10 years we're, we're like a year and a half to two years into that into that sort of shocking event that the whole western half of the continent is still reeling from and figuring out the politics and the allies and that sort of thing. And so they've got a lot of just really large, slow lumbering tractors that sort of roll up in your face and disgorge troops uh, and pound you from afar. Um, Honestly, though, they are fantastic looking. And, I mean, I have not made a decision. I know which two I'm leaning toward that I I want. And we'll we'll get to my pledge in a minute. But um, those daggum iron houses look really, really cool. What I... what. What I get from them more is it, it almost looks like a uh, shogun area, a shogun era Japanese type building almost. But, on treads. On treads, yeah. And it's just yeah. really cool. Yeah, and with some like bolted on thick wooden armor and some plates. So essentially they've, they, they've quietly and secretly turned their homes into tanks is basically what they've done. Um, and so they're kind of like Q ships, like you know, World War One, World War Two, they would disguise um, warships as civilian ships so they could take out submarines and that sort of thing. So they they spent a couple of years sort of disguising their their caravans and and you know they they've always had free passage around the Quarry Continent and so they sort of infiltrated and built up some stuff unknown to everybody else and then um, have invaded yeah basically with their their houses right. i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm describing it really well yes this, this is perfect this is cool this is perfect um then the last two factions are fidwag and creven and fidwag are royalists so they're very anti um crusade we they've been kind of the stars in a couple of the other core books um and they sort of won their fight with the crusade um a few years ago and um, they came out in fairly good shape with some money and some uh, a little bit pissed off. And so they're sort of traveling around the continent um, as advisors and small military forces to try to help other countries overthrow the crusade. And so on the Western continent, we've got um, kind of a 
Fidwagian expeditionary force that is um, uh, helping out Creven, uh, trying to get rid of the Western Arnyarans and the Eski invaders and um, and even the Crusaders to the south. Um, so they're over there just trying to stir up trouble. Um, they're um, a fan favorite with a lot of folks. I want to make sure we got them in on the first Kickstarter. Um, and it, uh, so they're so they're not um, they're not as fleshed out as the other factions, but they've got a lot of really cool stuff. And then when we actually get to them fully, their actual country in one of the further books, then we'll we'll be adding more to the to the Fidwaggers. <clears throat> and the last is Creven, and Creven is sort of the country um, where all of this action is mostly taking place. Um, they're sort of the center point, and they're a big swath of of grasslands. Um, they're sort of like Oklahoma in, in the U.S. So they've got this historical feature called that we call trench highways. There's a core name. But um, once warfare became mechanized and there were airships and aircraft and artillery, um, they moved their highways below ground, essentially. So if you think of like a trench system, they've actually built most of the roads that crisscross their country sort of like a 30-foot deep trench. And so that's where foot traffic goes. Um, and how they move arms and supplies uh, around the country. So if you're, you know, if you're standing flat on the grassland looking across, you actually can't see the highways. And so there's this whole buzz of activity. And then a lot of the small towns and things at those crossroads are also below ground. Um, big pits have been dug, and, and, and they're built in there. And so they've got, like, watchtowers to sort of watch the grasslands. But big chunks of Creven are basically below ground level in sort of a trench system. Um, and so it makes it a very hard country to invade because it's easy for them to move arms and armor to sort of the, the points of, of contact. So they've managed to hold out fairly well, but they're sort of taking it from all sides. Hmm, okay. And, uh, Does that all make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cool. Looking at the figures, are I'm, they're all one piece, correct? Including the base? The 15-millimeter figures are all one piece, including the base. Yes. Okay. Most of the tractors... Sorry, tractors are what we call tanks. Most of the tractors and contraptions, which are like half tracks, um, are multi-part. But all, yeah, I, yeah. There's not a none of the figures so far are multi-piece. Are they plastic or resin? The tractors. So, they are, um, they are actually 3D prints. And so I will be selling 3D prints directly. So I don't, I don't use like a glorified glue gun. I don't use the extruded plastic uh, printers. So these are resin like LCD printers, there are almost no build lines. Um, they, they paint up glass smooth. Um, it's actually the same printers that I print masters on to mold. Um, there's been a lot of uh, advances in 3D printing technology. You can get some pretty sophisticated stuff. Um, and so they're, they're basically an ABS-like resin. Um, yeah, I mean, if you all of them you see on the on the Kickstarter are direct three D prints straight out of the the printer without any cleanup. There's a couple you can see some lines like on the Iron House, and that's because that's actually a test print. I'll be putting up some just a little lower res. I'll be putting up some more production stuff soon. Okay. Yeah, I know you had talked about uh, possibly selling STL files. <laughs> that's yeah, that'd be up my alley because I don't have a three D printer. We I use a service. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would work, work really good for me. Yeah. It, it's tough. It's, um, people, I don't want to undercut myself, right? Like I am in the business of making models. And so selling off the STLs 
means I'm not in the business of making models anymore. So I, I need, I need to figure it out. Um, you know, what I would charge and how it would work and all that. I mean, I do think, you know, Anthony, who's one of my business partners, we often talk like at some point we're just going to be selling SDL files, right? I don't know if that's three years from now, five years from now, but I mean, not to segue for a second, but there, you know, Frozen just came out with the Frozen Mini and um, Anycubic came out with Arrow or something. I mean, there are $200 printers, um, resin printers that make great models. And uh, I think that's, that's the stuff that's coming. Well, I, the only thing I could think of uh, the solution, I know uh, the company I use that sponsors our show, he has, uh, he gets licenses from uh, different uh, companies. So he has the STL files. And then, you know, I say I want that printed from wherever. And he uh, he prints it for me, charges me, you know, and sends it. I'm assuming he pays X amount of dollars back to the company. Right. So, I mean, something like that would work because you, well, you would get something every time it printed instead of, like, just one go. Right. But, I mean, that's sort of essentially what I'm doing right now because I'm also 3D printing them like a service. So when you order from me, I'm printing them and getting the full price, not a cut from him. Right. So, yeah, I, it's, it's actually a little bit complicated. A lot of people that sell STLs, that's all they do, right? Like, I was trying to do some research and find companies that do both STL files and physical models, and there are very few. Like, so, I don't know. It's, it's a weird gray area, and I've just I've got to kind of wrap my head around it. So, right now, I don't know if I'm going to do it for this Kickstarter. Like, I don't, I'm not going to figure it out in the next 10 days. But it's definitely something <laughs> I want to do. Definitely something I want to do in the future. Um, we're thinking about maybe its own little Kickstarter where it's just, just buy the STLs. Because going back to what you said earlier about the 28 millimeter resin, I don't, I don't ever want to cast another resin tractor. <laughs> I, I don't mind 3D printing them, but 3D printing a 28 millimeter tractor is like four times slower than a 15 millimeter tractor. So I would love to just sell the STL files to people that want like a 28 millimeter Bailiod or Elphine or something like that. Um, so I definitely want to do it. I just need to be a little smarter about how I do it. Okay. I, I completely understand that. And uh, for my uh, pledge that I chose was the two-player starter. For $150, I got two starter packs. And I'll, pr I'll probably end up doing Royalists and Crusaders, but, you know, who knows. And honestly, I was honestly thinking, you know, when the uh, the pledge manager opens, uh, tossing in some of those uh, really cool iron houses, because dadgum, they are cool. Yep. The weird thing is, though, I was like, I want it all. I want all of them, because there's so many cool vehicles. You know, they have some, so, many, so much cool personality. And so do the figures, too. Like, there's some really unique uh, cavalry sculpts in here. Uh, do you, so there's the Kadir, which is sort of the horse but then there's also the Fidwag Guilon, which are like a kangaroo-ish thing, yep. which might be what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Guilon I thought was cool. And then yeah, the core horse is really interesting. It's like if you had a horse and you cut its head off and put a face <laughs> where its neck was, that's kinda it. And um yeah, it's I dig it. Yeah, they've they've got like so that little shape they've got um sort of external bone with the eye stock so that little shape there is like an external 
you know, like like a horn on a ram, but it sort of grows around their whole head, and then their little eyes are in those little bony eye stalks. You guys have got motorcycles in here. I think they're with the uh, the uh, on yarns. Yeah, on yarn. I was going to mutilate that, and um, the other really cool personality I like was the Creven that have uh, the little feather things on top of their heads, like cavalry yep. officers or whatever. That's on their yep. infantry. That's just kind of cool. So. Yep. The little officer goes, yeah, I'm about to... Um, uh, so a big part of the Creven, so I was saying earlier, you got the trench highways, is the trench watch. And so that's like a mixed arms company. So there's infantry and cavalry in there. Um, and I haven't showed the images of the cavalry yet, which I'm going to do in the next couple of days. And so if you like those officers, you'll like the cavalry. Oh, that's cool. I really dig that. And, uh, yeah, not, you've also got just the, uh, the crofter, you know, have that, um, uh, I like the little guy with the little naval hat looking, yep. the, the command guy. That's just neat. Yep. And, uh, although my absolute favorite figure and you'll have to, he's not that hard to find in the Kickstarter, it's like you just scroll down until you hit, like... Oh, yeah. Scroll down to the Crusaders, and the guy standing between two tanks holding up two guns, John Wick style. Yeah, that's... I, uh, I like that guy. He's cool. Yeah, it's one of the colonels, or as we call him, a Cernal. So, yeah. Yeah. Just awesome. It's funny, the, the one next to it is actually my favorite quarter I've sculpted. Just a colonel with his hands behind his back, taking a really big step. I don't know. He's just... I like that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I see what you mean. Or <laughs> he's just like, yep, I'm just going to walk over here. Yep. Nothing, nothing to see here. Right, there you go. So we've got seven days left to go. We have smashed, you know, you smashed your goal, just obliterated it. You've got 82 <laughs> backers. <laughs> and um, is there anything interesting that you're kind of hoping, like, well, if I get, like, 15,000 or 20,000, I'll toss this on as a stretch goal? Yeah, I would like to do... Some more free stuff. Um, yes, like free stuff. In, yeah, everybody loves free stuff. So I've thrown in like the little pick pick squirrels with everybody's order, uh, the little rifler merch figure in 15 millimeter, which is the first 20, 28 millimeter figure ever. Was this little um, uh, Crusader dude, uh, and I've redone that pose in 15 millimeter. So I'm giving him away. Um, I think I think what I'm really gonna do is is a lot of little things like that. I've um, I've got some more units that I've sculpted that haven't been revealed. I mean, that's that's been the real problem. Also, segue for a second is uh, it moved way faster than I thought it would, so I wasn't completely prepared with all the stretch goals. I mean, that's always one of the things with the Kickstarter. Like, I don't want to post out between zero and 1.5 million what my stretch goals are, right? Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. And it just, I figured, okay, like, I'll go the first day and I'll get a gauge of it, and I'll sort of figure it out. And then uh, the campaign is always ahead of me. Um, so I need to put up sort of the rest of the units I have just as stretch goals. Go ahead and map those out, and then um, figure out the free stuff I can do. So you just went to sleep one day, you woke up, and it was like at five grand. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, uh, shit, I need to catch up. Well, and the other thing that what didn't really suck is um, for the longest time I've had a trip planned to Disneyland with my wife because I desperately wanted to see Star Wars land. Yes. Um, and that fell right in the middle of the Kickstarter. So I was gone for three days. And so I had Zach who's helping me write the rules was handling a lot of the comments and stuff. So 
that got me behind a little bit. I didn't I didn't mean for it to, but but Star Wars. Uh, yeah, so, sure. And and I just made it because we got back on Monday and they announced today that they're closing Disneyland because of the <laughs> coronavirus. Yep. So we yep. just made it. Also, you also got the unlocked uh, miniature markers, which I think are fantastic. You briefly mentioned those earlier, you know, where they'll actually, they're holding up a sign that says, like, routed, you know, yeah. just really yeah. neat. Yeah, so I'll do, yeah, do a whole set of those, because um, that's just fun and sort of in the world and a little goofy. I'm a little weird, and I like strange things, and so we end up with stuff like that. Well, before um, you um, sign off here, I wanted to talk about, like, some of the other things you've got on zombiesmith.com. What other rule sets are you currently making? Uh, so we have a couple things. Um, the one I've been working on lately is Project Ah! Uh, Project Ah, um, which is sort of our Star Wars universe. So we're just, we just kind of started that. We're starting to populate it, populate it with, with figures. It's like a goofy, whimsical sci-fi setting with like little Muppet space guys. So we've got a couple, you know, like a dozen figures each in like four different factions. So there's probably like 50 or 60 figures and I'm looking at my desk here and I've got like another 30 or 40 done mastered. I just got to mold up. So I'm slowly working on that. We'll just be adding a ton of races. Um, and then there's the war of ashes stuff. And so war of ashes is like Muppet Vikings and it's super tongue in cheek, super, super goofy and whimsical. Um, and not to try to sell it, but, I think Shield Wall and Shield Bash are my current favorite rule sets that we have done. One is a Shield Wall is a mass battle and Shield Bash is a skirmish. And um, we're using sort of the the core of Shield Bash. That's what we did like right for this Proctor book, which is like a quick start core rules. That's what Project A is that system. And then uh, this core's war uh, second edition is also sort of based off that system. Um, but yeah, anybody wants to check out my favorite rule set? Look at Shield Wall and go back. Really, really into those. Yeah, I like the uh, the Meg in Project uh, who that appear yep. to be some kind of uh, penguins, perhaps. Yeah, they're these weird little. So in twenty eight millimeter, they're like eleven millimeters tall. So they're sort of goblin size. So they're these little um, little midgety aliens that are very uppity and full of themselves. And you can go shut up, Meg. Exactly. You know, and uh, the. The pa, uh, uh, the third, the third. Yes. What I don't. Yeah. Okay. What What's the race name there? Is it when I see, when I see pa, I think project. Ah. Project ah. Yeah. yeah. And that that's just how they sort on the website. Um. Uh. So that pro, pro, the pa is just sort of the letter code for the whole system. Okay. But yes. The, the the third is a race. So there, the Jaloof are sort of the main protagonists of the setting. So all the fluff and stuff is written from their point of view. And the the actual race name for the third is unpronounceable, um, but they're the third alien race that the Julief encountered, so they're just the third. Okay, I got that sound. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, you've got just like the denizens. I thought were really cool. Where you just got ah, they're just some got some little robots, and then yeah. uh, the woozles, which are alien squirrels, perhaps. Yes, little cyborgy alien squirrels. And you're working on the rulebook for the uh, for this one. Yeah, so there's a there's a quick start rule set out that's got stats for I think everything that's currently available. But um, there is a full size rulebook uh, in the works. Um, it's just so I sculpt a lot, and I I can't work on the same thing day in day out. So 
I go off on a tangent and I do something for one of the other systems for a couple of days just to clear my head. And so that's the the project Ah stuff has been sort of a slow burn, but but steady. Okay. And then you've got Gary Hunt Miniatures. Yeah, so Gary's a friend of ours. He actually works for uh, Weta Workshop. He's a sculptor on like the Lord of the Rings movies and a bunch of other stuff. And he has his own line of miniatures um, that he sells in the UK, and we're his US distributor. And so we we took the Shield Bash system and made him some quick start rules that that he uses to to go along with his system. Um, so yeah, so all those are are Gary's sculpts. Um, and then there's um, the Soldurio stuff, which is Lonnie, which is just another friend of mine who gets um, Sean Harrison, who's a prolific 15 mil painter, or not painter, sculptor. Uh, I think he's in Washington. And so Lonnie does his own miniatures. So we actually, as Zombie Smith, I mean, I'll sell myself this way too. We actually cast for a lot of people other than ourselves. So if there are people out there that, that have a figure they need to cast up, or 3D printed and molded or whatever, we, we do that quite a bit uh, for a lot of people. And so some of them we also sell the figures through our site. I think we missed one there. What is Tusk and Saber? Oh, man. We did forget Tusk and Saber. Tusk and Saber is my... Oh, man. So I'm obsessed with the Napoleonic era. Anything that happened between 1715 and 1815, like the Seven Years' War to Waterloo, I am obsessed. Um, and so I've had this idea for... Muppet Napoleonics, sort of like the Quar. So, like, you know, the Quar grounded in reality. There's no magic, there's no sci fi stuff. It's 1920s tech. And so, Tuscan Saber is um, Napoleonic warfare with Muppets. Okay. Is 28 millimeter? It is. No rules yet. I just, like, that's one of the breaks I took. I took a break and sculpted up, like, I think there's 60 figures between the three factions right now um, and just released them because. Why not? Because they're fun. Sure. Um, but there, there will be a rule set. Um, a friend of mine, Andrew Walters, has come up with a, a neat little system that we just need to sort of play test and do all that. But I'll definitely be adding to that. Well, what kind of gaming do you like to do just when you're not doing the core and the rest of them? Uh, I don't get a lot of time for it, but I am a Hex Encounter wargamer. Really? Um, yes. Yeah, so... Any old stuff from, like, you know, SPI, Avon Hill, you know, up to the new stuff by, like, GMT. Uh, the thing I've been playing, well, I haven't really played it, but digging into and pushing counters around is um, from Hexasim. It's a great war commander. My World War, love of World War One. Um, it's based on the Combat Commander series, which, no offense to anyone, I was not a fan of, but... The, combat, the Great War Commander seems to fix that system a little bit, sort of my gripes. It's added vehicles and, and, and done some other things. Um, and they just, they're about to release, if they haven't already released the British expansion for it. Um, I pre-ordered it, and I haven't received it yet, so I hope it's coming soon. Um, so I do that. What else? Um, I don't know, man. Uh, next Encounter War Games, you name it, I've probably played it, and it's probably here on my shelf. Ah, Okay, see, I could get you back on just to talk about that. We, uh, one of my co-hosts, Richard, is that's that's his bread and butter. What he does, uh, he's got me dipping my toe into the OCS series. Yep, familiar with it. Yep. Yeah, the Operational Combat series, and uh, yeah, he's a big ASL guy, advanced squad leader. And, oh yeah, one and I have an entire shelf here of ASL stuff. Really? And you're over in uh, California, right? Yeah, Oakland. Right. So do you have like a, a local? ASL club or anything like that? Uh, probably. I um, I mostly play with people I know 
and and friends. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of ASL players around here. I mean, the the local store Endgame was where that all used to go on, and so that's where I would play. But Endgame closed down like a year and a half ago, um, and so all the other game stores are mostly miniature centric. Um, Endgame had a big board game following, so I haven't found anything new. But that's okay because I also haven't had time. Ah, okay. Yeah, I look. I could totally get that. Although I love your uh, the line. There's a ton of ASL players around here. Mm. I, I can't say that at where I'm at. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Richard's in St. Louis, and um, they have a historical club there, gaming club, and yep. it's it's mostly uh, Hex Encounter, and they do a lot of ASL. They'll host tournaments and stuff like that. And, I, uh, I tell you, like, anybody that's a big ASL grognard is going to hate me for this. Um, I prefer the starter kits to ASL, and it, I know it's not full ASL, and it's not all the flavor, but it's just so much easier to get into them and to get non-ASL players to play. I mean, it's still complicated. Um, uh, that's still my preference. Like, I don't do a lot of full ASL anymore. Like, if I play it, it's, it's like Better Kit 3, which has basically got everything, but it's not um, it's not 500 pages of rules. Yeah, I played uh, Starter Kit 4 at uh, ConSim World Dallas last weekend. And, yeah, it's I don't get a lot of ASL, and I'm always shocked by the, hold on, nope. Not that phase. Nope, nope. We we haven't made it to this phase. I'm like, oh, I forgot about yeah. that phase. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, uh, is there anything else we need to know about the core, the Kickstarter, anything? You got about a week to go by the time people hear this, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say, uh, in addition, is um, our goal with the relaunch of the 15 millimeter core is that this is not the only Kickstarter. We plan on building out the whole world. I mean, what I, ideally what I would like to do is you know, sort of a Flames of War-sized setting and, and model count and that sort of thing, and, and we're well on our way there. So we plan on fulfilling this by September and in September launching uh, the second theater book, which is uh, Hearth and Home, which is going to add uh, civilians and partisans and civilian vehicles and, and a lot of scenery. Uh, we'll definitely do STL files then. People can put their own houses and core trees and that sort of thing, uh, and then we, you know, we've got a whole plan for the rest of the for the rest of the setting. So my goal is, you know, I've had this world in my head forever, and I've kind of doled it out in dribs and drabs, is just to dive in and let me just do the whole thing, um, and then you know, expand it after that. But at least you know, get basic uh, troops and vehicles and fluff out for all of the countries on the continent that we focus on um, in the next year or two. Sure, I, I know personally, I would like to see. Um planes in, in with the 15s you're not gonna have to wait too long cool i yeah because i mean they i again these are i i love everything about these you know the figures the sculpts everything it, it has this really cool look to it i don't know how to really accurately describe it so i encourage you to go to zombiesmith.com and take a look at it yeah, check come out look. check out I, the I, kickstarter I was, and yeah oh we're talking yeah, about sorry I, sorry <laughs> that's stepping you i was gonna say real quick it's been described to me as Miyazaki meets the Dark Crystal. I could see that. I really could. It's they they have like if you're a fan of like brutalist architecture, you know that that kind of thing. It's these they have this really crazy shape, but you look at them and you go, dang, that kind of looks cool. You know, it's it's really really neat. It's like I don't know how practical that would be if it existed in real life, <laughs> but dad gum, it's awesome. So that's what I care about. It just needs to be awesome. Yeah. Well, Josh, I want to thank you a lot. You can check him out at zombiesmith.com. That should have a link to the Kickstarter. If all else fails, go to chanceofgaming.com, and you can 
there'll be uh, show notes for this, and hopefully I'll have everything broken down with little links where you can click right on to the stuff we're talking about. And uh, there you go. But yeah, you got about a week left to go on this Kickstarter. I thoroughly encourage you to buy in, have a friend buy in, split a two-player starter, whatever you want to do, and uh, get into this because it's awesome. Cool. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Thanks.